Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. For today's issue and shear, I give you a topic whose title might have raised an eyebrow or two, and if it did, I'm glad it did, and that is the topic of the ugly Talmud Chacham and the handsome Russia. So what exactly does that mean? Well, for today's shear, we're going to talk about whether or not being ugly helps one's Torah learning. Now, disclaimer, I'm going to try my best to explain it, though I can't fully relate myself. But, again, I I will use sources to hopefully try to portray this to you. This is not something I can try to explain to you from personal experience. But apparently, there might be some correlation to being ugly and having really good Torah learning. So, where exactly does that come from? How are we going to explain that? It sounds really strange on its face, but it's going to sound perhaps even stranger when I read to you and learn with you a little bit of a very strange-sounding Gemara, quite frankly, about this very topic. In fact, we're going to take two incredible Gemaras and we're going to put them together and we'll try to understand what in the world I'm talking about. And there's also going to be uh, a very obvious connection to this week's Parsha HaShavua. This week's Parsha, at the moment of this recording, is Parsha's Vayeshev. And again, the connection will be apparent, and we'll see all of that soon. We'll look at one Gemara, a Gemara in Tainus, and then we'll look at another Gemara, a Gemara in Yoma. And we'll talk a little bit about this discussion of aesthetic beauty and Torah learning. First, we'll thank our sponsors. We have Anonymous, Lili, Nishmash, Shmuel, Menachem, and Ayelay, Bleh, Bas Avram, and Yehuda, Chizdai, Kirben, Rav Shlomo. They're Nishamah, Shehav, and Aliyah. And anyone else who wants to partner up with us here at the database because you enjoy the shirim that we have here, either on this series or the other ones on the podcast, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com, to make your sponsorship today. Also, it's the same place that you can reach out to me if you want to be a part of the database podcast WhatsApp group, which is not so much a fan club. We haven't made that WhatsApp group yet. Um, this one is just a, a group where I, the admin, post weekly updates of the shiurim that are planned and, um, and, and updates of every recording that goes up. The link goes straight there as well. So if you want to be a part of that, reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. Okay, so what in the world... Am I talking about ugliness and being a Talmud Chacham? So there are really two Gemaras, as I mentioned, that speak to this point. One that came up in Dafyomi recently in, in, in Maseches Tainus. One that came up in Dafyomi um, around Shavuos time this past year. So we'll talk about both of these Gemaras. And as I mentioned, they, they are incredible Gemaras, and we're going to try our best to analyze these Gemaras. And we will hopefully have a better understanding of life in general, but especially as it connects to our obligations in terms of serving Hashem, learning Torah, and apparently give us some food for thought about how the way we look might connect to our missions in Avodah Hashem and how, the, how we look is, re, is related in some sense or impacts our Torah learning. With that said... Let's start off with the Gemara in Tainus, which can be found on Daf Zayin Amid Aleph at the bottom of the Amid, just as the Gemara is getting ready to go on to the next Amid, to Zayin Amid Beis. So the Gemara records something very, very strange. 
Kedamar Leberante de Kesar Lerabishua ben Chanania. So the Caesar's daughter has this conversation with Rabishua ben Chanania. And she says as follows Ichachma mifo ara bechli mechuar. Woe to the glorious Torah wisdom that's in such an ugly vessel. So right now, this daughter of the Caesar is, co- is calling Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania ugly. Now, um, the only thing that I, that I can tell that I have in common with Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania is, is our first name. That's the only thing. Anyway, so the Caesar's daughter says, Whoa, you're, you're a pretty ugly guy. You're a pretty ugly Talmud Chacham. So Amarla, so he responds to her, Avich rami He says, Well, does your father put his wine in earthenware vessels? Which happens to not be so aesthetically pleasing. So Amrla she responds, "Ella but my dear mate, but what 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 should my father put his wine into? Right? Because doesn't everyone use earthenware vessels?" So Amrla he responded, "Atun techash vitu removimane dahava Well, you're a noble person. You should put your wine into gold and silver vessels. Why not? Or wine? Why not? Right? So Azlava Amrla So. She went and she suggested this to her father, the Caesar. And what happened? So Rami Lakhan So he put the wine in gold and silver vessels and then it became sour. So so when servants came and they told him that the wine had spoiled, Amrlavrate, he asked his daughter, Man who suggested that he do such a thing? Amrlay, so she responded, Rabishu ben Khananya. Rabishu the son of Khananya. So, Koryuhu Amarle, his servants called for Rishob ben Chananya, and they asked him as follows, Amai Amras Lahachi, why'd you tell my daughter to do this? So, Amarle, and he said, You know, she spoke to me and I spoke to her, I just responded in kind. By the way, your daughter called me ugly. No, he, he didn't say that part. Um, but he just says, um, you know, uh, um, this, this is what happened, so and so happened. Such and such happened. So now, we're, now the Gemara goes back to the Caesar's daughter. So she's seemingly she um, she's trying to accept what Rabbi Shua ben Hanani says that if you have something of value like the like the Torah or like wine, so sometimes the best kinds of vessels are not the most aesthetically pleasing. So Rabbi Shua ben Hanani says, "So what? I'm ugly. I'm, uh, you know that, that that's the most appropriate vessel for Torah, isn't it?" So she asks, aren't there learned people who are also beautiful or who are handsome, who are good-looking? It's like, well, what, what do you mean that, that um, beauty precludes Torah scholarship? It's a turning over to the next Talmud, says the Gemara. So, you, you don't realize, if, you know, if, if they were even uglier, they would have they, they been even more learned. So you, you, you think... That oh look see look at these great looking people who are also Torah scholars had they been ugly they would have been even better. That's 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 all the Gemara says on this point. So what you get from this Gemara from Rabbi Shua ben Chanania is being ugly is an apparent advantage in your Torah learning. The uglier you are, the the greater a Torah scholar you are. So right, so some of us are you know some of us um, are you know aren't that lucky. Um, but but apparently the uglier you are, the you know the the greater Torah scholar you can be, says Rabbi Shua ben Hanania. Okay, fine. So that's just one Gemara that seems to touch on this possibility of a connection between aesthetic beauty 
and Torah scholarship, and this is uh, apparently the negative correlation, right? Um, that your your Torah is stronger the uglier you are, somehow. Okay. Then we get to the Gemara in Yoma, and this Gemara can be found on Daf Lamed Hey Amid Aleph. And this Gemara is a much longer Gemara. We're not going to do the whole thing, but it's the Gemara that concludes with. It's the Gemara that concludes that Yosef Atzadik is Machayev the Russia. Right? The Gemara, interestingly, describes three kinds of individuals. And it seems to be that the, the formula is three individuals whom you might have excused from their Chiyav to learn Torah. Right? The Gemara describes the Ani, the poor man. The Gemara describes the usher, the, the, the rich man, right, the very wealthy man who you could argue has a lot of maybe tzedakah or business to tend to. And then the final category is also very eyebrow-raising because the Gemara suggests that Yosef HaTzadik is Mechaev the Russia. We're going to talk about why that's a very strange suggestion but just to give you quick um, summary and background of the two earlier individuals, so the Gemara describes the Ani, who is Mechaev the Ani to learn Torah? You might think that the Ani does not have the wherewithal, and even you know to pay the to pay the fee to get into the base medrash, which some places have that. So we learn that from we learn from Hillel, right? We learn from Hillel Hazakain that there that there are no excuses, that you absolutely have to. Um, do what you can to learn Torah. So Hillel's Mechaev Asa'aniyim, because Hillel, the, the, the Gemara tells the story of how he was up on the roof in the, in the snow trying to hear the words of Torah. Then the Gemara says that Rabbi Elazar ben Kharsom, who was very wealthy, so he's Mechaev the Ashirim, because he learned Torah despite the fact that he had a lot of money. Right, the, the Gemara says that his father left him a thousand cities on uh, on dry land and and um, one thousand ships at sea. And nonetheless, every day he would take a flask of flour on his shoulder. He would go from town to town to learn Torah. So, so he you know obviously he he was very serious about that. The Gemara says he didn't he didn't even know what his servants looked like. He had so many, but he was always learning. So you might think the rich. The poor, they might have excuses, but they don't have excuses. Then the Gemara seems to switch gears. And the Gemara, and, and it, it's not completely congruent, as we're going to see. Because then the Gemara says, okay, there's the Ani, there's the Ashir, and then there's the Russia. The Russia. The, the wicked person. And Yosef Hatzadik is Mechaev the Russia. On its face, that sounds very strange, and on its face, there, there's a lack of congruency. Why is there a lack of congruence? Because first we had the Ani and the Ashir, who are obviously, they're obvious counterparts. They're each a different kind of Nisayon. Many of us would argue that we would at least prefer to have the Nisayon of Ashiros, of, of, of wealth. But all that said, poverty and wealth are, their, are each their own Nisayon, and they each cause um, um, different kinds of either stressors or distractions on our ability to learn Torah. And then we have a Russia who's just categorically a bad guy, right? Like, okay, so that, that's the first lack of congruence that we have here. 
But there's another reason why the Gemara is not so congruent. And that is because, think about this, the Gemara says, why is the well, why is Yosef Mikhaev the Russia? What would the Russia tell you? So the Russia might tell you, right? So Russia Omrim Lo. So they'll say to him, Malo Asakta Batara, why don't you learn Torah? Im Omer he might say, Oh, listen, I was handsome, and then I, I was so entangled with my evil inclination. Now, we'll get to what the Gemara responds to him, but you, you, you hear what the Russia says his Nisayon was. Right? He says, I was handsome. Okay, so then shouldn't the Gemara say, Yosef is Mechaev the handsome? Yosef is Mechaev as Hanoim, or as Hanoe. Yosef is Mechaev the handsome people. That's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara doesn't say Yosef is Mechaev the handsome. He says Yosef is Mechaev the Russia. So that's lack of congruence, right? We don't say that the, the poor guy who doesn't learn is a Russia despite the fact that he's poor. We don't say that the rich guy who doesn't learn is a Russia despite the fact that he had a Nisayan of being rich. Here, when it comes to this guy who has the Nisayan of being handsome, we don't say that we're being Mikhaev the handsome. We say that we're being Mikhaev the Russia. We don't say that, oh, you know, he's a, you know, um, that. We don't say that Yosef, again, that Yosef is not Mechaev the handsome, he's Mechaev the Russia. So why is this guy categorized as a Russia? So we'll have to explain that. And while we're at it, we're saying that Yosef is Mechaev the Russia. Think about those words. That's almost like saying Rav Chaim Kanievsky is Mechaev the Russia. Like, since, since when? How do you even understand that? Who, who, who would we say obligates the Russia? Who morally um, obligates the Russia? Um, or you know, any person who's, who, you know, who's such a, a low life, it would be another low life. You, know, you, you should tell me that there's this other low life out there, and even he makes time for Torah. He's going to be a Mechai of every Russia in the world. That guy, who, that complete ignoramus who doesn't know anything, that, that mediocre at life, that's the guy that's going to be a Mechai of the Russia. Not, you know, not, not the greatest tzaddik in the world. Yosef is called Yosef HaTzaddik. You're telling me the tzaddik. Right, pick any gadol hador you want to. You're going to tell me that this gadol with the Avraham Avinu, the Yitzchak, the Yaakov, Moshe Rabbeinu, they're going to be Mechai of the Russia. We pick Yosef. Of all people, Yosef is going to be Mechai of the Russia. You know, give me the name of a lowlife who learned Torah. I'll tell you that that guy is is uh, you know is, is Mechai of the Russia. Where did we get off saying that Yosef is Mechai of the Russia? How is that even true? How do we even understand the statement? So there are a lot of questions on this Gemara. And we already discussed about uh, about the ugly Talmud Chacham, right? or at least the aesthetically ugly Talmud Chacham, um, um, who, who was Rabbi Shua ben Hananiah. Now we're talking about Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, in this week's parsha, we know he's Yefei Tovar, Yefei Mare. He's a good-looking guy. And we know that his progeny, Rabbi Yochanan, in the Gemara, he's also um, descri- he's described as being Mizera Yosef, and he's also described as being very good-looking. Um, side point is that he's also described as being overweight, which apparently um, culturally um, was seen back then as, as, a good, as being good-looking, a topic for another time. But the point is that Yosef was very good-looking. And so what is the Russia going to say? A Russia Mahu Omer, um, um, not to be mistaken with, uh, from the Haggadah. What does the Russia respond? So, 
So Im Omer, if he says, Na'ehayisi v'tarod b'yitzri, he's gonna, he, might, he might say, listen, I was handsome, and I was therefore, um, I was burdened with my Yitzhar Hara. So Amram Lo, they're going to say to him, Klum na'ehayisa miyosef, or, you know, can you say that you were any more handsome, that you were better looking than Yosef? And the Gemara proceeds to tell, to tell the story that we know from this week's Parsha, um, giving the the background that we know from Chazal. So this is one of the Gemaras where the source can be found in Yoma. This is um, on Lamed Hayam and Beis. I think earlier I said it's Lamed Hayam off, and so I apologize. Lamed Hayam and Beis. So Amru love al Yosef at Sadik. They said about Yosef at Sadik. She would always try to to seduce him with her words. She would constantly change her clothes. I'm fine and I'm fine. Keep going. So um, I'm skipping a little bit. And um, she would say that she that he has to listen to her to to. Commit the adultery with her. She says, "I'm going to put you in jail." And then Yosef responds, "Hashem matira asurim." He says, "So he says that." Um, so she says, "I'll put you in jail." He says, "Well, guess what? Hashem takes people out of jail." So she'll say, "I'll, I'll bend you, and, um, and, and I'm going to humble you. You're, you're a proud stature. You think you're so good now." So then Yosef responds, "Hashem's okay him. Hashem straightens the bent, and she says, "I'm going to poke out your eyes." And he says, Hashem b'kei You know, he's, he's responding with these uh, these uh, psukim from Tehillim to counteract her and saying that Hashem is going to be there with me. And uh, nonetheless, everything she tries, it didn't work. And then, so the Gemara concludes, Nimtza hilo mechai v'sa'anim, Rabbi Lasser ben Charsa mechai v'sa'ashirim. And then finally, Yosef mechai v'sa'ashirim. Yosef obligates the wicked. So, Let's continue on this path of the lack of congruence between the beginning of the Gemara and the end of the Gemara. The Gemara spoke about three three examples, the Ani, the Ashir, and then finally the Rasha. The Ani, if he doesn't want to learn Torah, well, guess what? Hillel learned Torah. If the Ashir doesn't want to learn Torah, well, guess what? Rabbi Lazar ben Kharsam, he learned Torah. And what about the Rasha? He says, I don't want to learn Torah. And we say, well, look at Yosef. What, what is the Gemara saying? What did Yosef do? Yosef learned Torah. I'm not saying that Yosef didn't learn Torah, but clearly the Nisayon that's being described here doesn't seem to be about Yosef learning Torah. It seems to be about Yosef going against Deshus Potiphar and not committing adultery. Like, there's a big, big difference between, um, you know, not learning Torah, I think, and not committing adultery. We're not even asking the Russia, did you commit adultery, did you not commit adultery? We're just asking him why you didn't learn Torah. Why weren't you Osek in Torah? So, how are we supposed to understand just the flow of the Gemara? I thought the Gemara was talking about whether or not you learned Torah. All of a sudden, it's talking about whether or not you're about to commit adultery. That, that, that wasn't the Nisayon that we're holding the Rush at a task for, was it? So, how are we supposed to understand this Gemara at large? How do we understand the Gemara's, uh, you know, just the, the, the whole discussion as it relates to being ugly or being good-looking when it comes to Torah learning? And how do we understand that Yosef is Mechaev the Russia? Why is he called the Russia? Why isn't he called the handsome? So we have a, a handful of questions here. So in addressing these, uh, these issues, let's just return to the, the place that we started. Just the idea that there's apparently a correlation between ugliness and, 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 and Torah learning. It seems that apparently that there is a natural distraction um, to a person's learning if they have a lot of aesthetic beauty. A 
apparently there are nisyonos that will pull them in different directions. And we could we could naturally understand this that if a person is a is a complete loser, or he's a complete nebuch, he has no excuse not to be learning, honestly. Because it's not like all the taivas of the world are pulling at him that he can't, you know, that that, that you know he's not in the base medrash because he's busy hanging out. Who's he hanging out with? So be in the base medrash, right? If, if you have the opportunity, if the if the entire community, let's let's say he doesn't have any talents at all, right? If if, if he has no talents that the community is pulling at him, it doesn't have to be just about being good looking. But if the community is not pulling at this guy, so he has much less of an excuse uh, to um, you know to not be learning. And that said. Right, so apparently, even though apparently it's, it's helpful, maybe we could argue, being ugly is being, it's a helpful tool to your Torah learning, not being popular, not being good-looking, not being so talented. It's definitely helpful. And we, we don't wish it upon anyone to be ugly, but apparently the uglier you are, maybe that's the best thing in life, to be able to learn more Torah. All of that said, Yosef is still going to be Mechaev. And Yosef is not just going to be Mechaev anybody, He's going to not just be Mechaev the handsome, which apparently he still would, but the Gemara does not leave it off that way. The Gemara signs off that Yosef is Mechaev the Russia. So let's go back to that. Why is he called the Russia? And why all of a sudden are we having a conversation about whether or not we're going to commit adultery, Chas Shalom? I thought there was this whole conversation about whether or not we're going to learn Torah. Is there, is there a relationship between the two, maybe? Fighting our Sahara and learning Torah? And at the surface, you might say, yeah, there's a, there's a basic surface connection, at least. Your Yetzirah doesn't want you to learn Torah. You fight your Yetzirah and thereby learn Torah. And Yosef was obviously not just someone who didn't commit adultery, but he was also someone who learned a lot of Torah. And maybe you could argue that the fact that he learned his Torah, the fact that he was quoting Pesukim, as it were, to counteract Ashes Potiphar, showed you that even in that scene, even in that circumstance, in that situation, Yosef was learning Torah and using his Torah to combat the Eight Sahara. Maybe um, you know, and I, I like that 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 possibility as a suggestion. But what? The Gemara is telling us, I think, is um, just as profound, if not more than that. And that is that the Gemara will not tolerate handsomeness as the Nisaya. Now you'll say, well, yeah, the Gemara is not tolerating any excuse. It's not tolerating richness. It's not tolerating uh, poverty, right? Because uh, after all, Hillel is going to be a Mechaev. The, the poor person. And Rebbe Lazar and Kharsam is going to be Mechaev, the rich person. But even so, the Gemara is willing to at least label them as the Ani, the Ashir. This is what marks his Nisayon. When it comes to the Rasha, the Gemara doesn't mark his Nisayon as that he was good looking. The Gemara just says, classifies him, you are a Rasha. The Gemara is not even willing to give you that Havamina. That it doesn't say the handsome guy. What will he say? He'll say, "I was so handsome, and my it's hard to distract me." It says, "What is the Russia going to say?" This is important because apparently the Gemara is not only not tolerating the excuse, but the Gemara is not even is not even tolerating it as as uh, to to give him that title to say that he was handsome and therefore, meaning that. This guy that the Gemara is describing, apparently, it's not that, oh, handsome and therefore I couldn't. It's you're a Russia and that's why you didn't. That if you, if, if you are good looking, we're not saying that the, that, that, that doesn't uh, contribute sometimes to hindering your Torah learning because 
Rabbi Yeshua ben Chananya said in Tainus, he says, listen, if they were if they were even uglier, they would have been even greater Talmidei Chachamim. So apparently there is basis to that. But at the end of the day, if that is your excuse, you are a Russia. You're not, you're not just a handsome guy. You are a Russia. And you're, we're going to classify you not by your good looks. We're going to classify you by what you are. You are indeed a Russia. Why does the Gemara go so far? And why does the Gemara start to tell a story about an almost committed act of adultery? You know, or at least the scenario of, of adultery that might have been if Yosef wasn't on guard. Why does the Gemara describe that? Why does the Gemara not you know, seem to describe a case of Yosef learning Torah? And the answer is that, indeed, the Russia is a very entirely different category than from someone suffering from an Isayon of being rich or being poor. The argument that I was handsome is a straw man argument, much flimsier than the poor guy or the rich guy that were distracted by their poverty or their wealth. Those individuals... We are willing to call their nisayon anisayon. We're willing to say this is anisayon. This is something that's really, really tough. And you're not, it's still not an excuse, but we understand. We can sympathize. When it comes to the Russia, I was good-looking is never going to be an excuse. Is it, a, is it something that could distract you? Yeah, it is. It is something that could distract you. But if what you are going to tell me is... The reason I wasn't at Sadik was because I was busy, I was busy being a Russia, right? Like that's like saying I you know I I couldn't walk right because I was too busy walking left. I couldn't go north because I was too busy going south. You're what you're saying is not only was I not learning Torah, but I was busy with my Yitzhahara. I didn't learn Torah. Why, Hashem? You're gonna ask me? Oh well, because you know I was uh, I was busy with my Yitzhahara. Hashem gives you a Yetzirah and He puts you in scenarios that are tough, even if the scenario and the circumstance is as simple as you were good-looking. Hashem puts you there so that you could fight your Yetzirah. Some people, and you, and you can you can overcome the Ayin Hara like Yosef did, and like Rabbi Yochanan did, and even though you're, you're, you'll be good-looking, you could still overcome that Nisayon. But you can't say, oh, well, Hashem gave me perfect circumstances for my Yetzirah, therefore I wasn't a tzaddik. That's, again, saying I didn't go right because I was too busy going left. I didn't become a tzaddik because I was too busy being a rasha, is ultimately what this guy is admitting. This guy is saying, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I went the other way. And that's not going to be an excuse, because who, who more than Yosef had such an excuse to listen to the eight Sarhara? And yet Yosef not only learned Torah, but like, you know, he overcame these nisyonos. And I think that's why the Gemara changed gears. It's no longer just talking about Talmud Torah. It's talking about being an Evet Hashem overall at this point. And really, the two are part and parcel with one another. The two have everything to do with each other, because both of them are about your fight against the Eight Sahara. The same fight that, that, um, that Yosef or any Russia in the world on the opposite extreme would have to fight to not commit adultery, that's the same fight that you would have to fight every day to determine whether or not you're going to learn Torah. And there isn't going to be an excuse of, you know, yeah, I committed adultery. You know, the reason why I didn't, the, the reason why I didn't fight my Yitzhahara and not commit adultery was because I had a Yitzhahara and therefore I did commit adultery, chas Right, like, that, that's not going to be an argument. That's saying, you know, I, I didn't follow Hashem's Ratzon because I was busy going against his Ratzon. That, that, it's as simple as that. 
And with regard to Yosef, Yosef teaches us, why, why do we say that Yosef is Mechayev the Russia? You should say that the lowlife is Mechayev the Russia. And the answer is no, because when it, when it comes to whatever excuse the Russia is going to give, the Russia absolutely has no excuse not to be a tzaddik. The Russia has no excuse not to be a Yosef, not to be a Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Yes, um, the Gedole Hador, they are Mechayev the Russia, not the lowlife. They are Mechayev the Russia because they had a Yetzirah too. The Russia's whole argument is I had a Sahara. It's no more sophisticated than that. I was good looking and I had a Sahara and my circumstances were stacked against me. Well, Mr. Russia, let me let you in on a secret. The situation, the circumstances are really not so much stacked against you any more than they were stacked against any other person in the world. Because at the end of the day, even if, yes, we could make the argument that you know having good looks might make your Torah learning a little bit more difficult, but at the end, end of the day, not following Ratzon Hashem is not an excuse for not following Ratzon Hashem. That just is it. it that is just the wrong thing. And again, the fact that you're doing the wrong thing is not an excuse that you didn't do the right thing. You have to become a tzaddik. Why? Because Yosef became a tzaddik, and you should too. Because all the Gedolei Hadar became tzaddikim, and therefore you should too. That's the mechaev. They're not the excuse, oh, like, oh, they're so great and therefore I can't be. That's called being a Russia. That's called throwing in the towel. That's called giving up because of any Nisayon that comes your way. What, how bogus of a, of a Nisayon, uh, like, you know, again, not to say that there isn't a test to, to being good looking. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you myself, it's very, very hard. But in all seriousness, as, as much of a Nisayon as it comes with, there's also such flimsiness to it. I was good-looking, and therefore, my Yitzhahara got the best of me. Get over yourself. You can come up with, like, with an excuse like that. You can come up with any excuse. You're just a Russia. You're not, you're not a handsome guy. You're a Russia. That's your problem. And I think that's what the Gemara is trying to tell us. And here we have two incredible Gemaras about the connection and the discussion between having good looks or bad looks and what that might do on your Torah learning and... You're a Vodas Hashem in general, and about how maybe at the end of the day it's 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 not allowed to impact you. I mean, it could, and Lamaisa, uh, apparently being ugly can can be a help of sorts. But at the end of the day, we have a job of being a an Eved Hashem, and we see from this week's parsh from Yosef Hatzadik that yes, Yosef Hatzadik is going to be Mechay of the Russia. Um, he was good looking, yes. And it's not going to matter. Anyway, that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Taurus. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking. And most importantly, we see from our Mechaev and we see who obligates us. Most importantly, we do have to keep the Torah because Yosef HaTzadik is Mechaev, all of us. Thank you for joining us here at The Database.